and welcome to the Netball Nation podcast. I'm Emma Louise Jones, your host. Uh, welcome to Sarah and hello. also, hello, and also to Kylie Painter, who's filling in for Mags this week. Hello. Uh, now, in case you're wondering, Kylie's the former Yorkshire Jets vice captain and ex-Welsh international. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem at She's all. She's got herself well and truly bedded in already. She's managed to get a footstool. We've never had that. No, this is <laughs> favouritism. Yeah, isn't it? Eh? You've got a bad knee, haven't you? Yeah. That's what it is. Um, now, just to let you know, because obviously, Kylie, this is your first time joining us we have got a big show today lots to cover we're going to be talking about the results from round 12 of the vitality super league and there are even more close games for us to chat about we're also going to put our guest host in the hot seat and we've got a bit of a chat about welsh netball and what the future holds for them is that all right with you yep brilliant perfect finally we're starting to get excited about the netball world cup with just 100 days to go until it all kicks off in Liverpool of course. We're going to be chatting about how teams are shaping up ahead of the competition and both Sarah and Kylie are going to be giving us their World Cup final predictions. So get your thinking caps on. Okay, got it. Welcome to Netball Nation. Uh, now, just before we get into another fantastic round of results, we have some breaking news to chat about. Uh, Sarah messaged us that informed us earlier today that seven stars have been docked three points for fielding two of their import players at the same time in round five. Now, we did discuss this in early rounds as we were talking about the fact that Bath have two imports who play in the same area of the court, but they use them at different times. So, just quickly, what are your thoughts on this, ladies? I actually feel a little bit sorry for Seven Stars because I think what has happened, and I'm not 100% sure, but I think they've played Jodie Ann Ward at wing defence and Marika Holtzhausen at wing attack. Um, and that is being counted as two mid-court players um, and two imports in the same court area. But I think as a coach, if you're changing players around in the middle of a game, that's not something that goes through your mind. If it's a goalkeeper and a goal defence, it's obvious. If it's a goal shooter and a goal attack, it's obvious. I don't think you'd change those players and go, oh, we've got two imports in the mm. midcourt. Because you're not changing players going, all right, foreign girl, you go there. Other yeah. foreign girl, you go there. You're just changing yeah. your team. And I think they've kind of, yeah, they've been caught in the crossfire of a sort of convoluted rule, I think. Yeah, so you do think it's a little bit harsh. They've been bitten a bit. Yeah, really, but- I mean, it, I think it was a, a genuine error. Um, rather than any attempt to get a competitive advantage. Have they said that? Have they said that? It's- I think they've said it was it was a genuine mistake and I, I can fully believe that. Yeah. And Kai, yeah. have you got any thoughts on it? Yeah, so I think obviously they've been playing Maria at goal attack and that's her kind of first choice. She's the captain of the team. So obviously if teams get injuries, I don't know if it was injury driven or just performance based, but you'd very much look at the team from an attack and a defensive um, kind of position you often have your kind of head coach leading one area and then your um, kind of co-coach looking after the other so they may have been making that decision kind of informing each other but you don't know if they've kind of definitely made that decision with that rule in mind so yeah. it's quite harsh yeah so it do, yeah it does seem a bit harsh really yeah, doesn't it yeah a little bit um right then we'll move on to round 12 i can tell sarah wants to <laughs> winning streak continues because yes. we're gonna we're gonna have to start with you again <laughs> uh, a massive win for you on saturday beating mavericks which is a huge result in terms of the battle for top four it's also Loughborough's seventh win on the trot. Yeah. This is incredible. Uh, I mean, it was goal for goal, wasn't it? Right up until about halfway through the fourth quarter. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, we went into every breakdown. So I think we were um, one one down at quarter time, three down at half time, um, one down at um, three quarter time. And and we didn't, we didn't have a great first half, but I think the pleasing thing is that we went goal for goal with one of the top teams and then we were able to kind of 
pull away at the end. So a really good win, and especially when you've got games like between two teams that are in and around that top five, they're what's going to separate teams at the minute. So, you know, you look at the the two teams playing and you're thinking, yeah, someone's going to lose. This is great. And we kind of were just desperate to make sure that it wasn't us because it, it, it kind of puts our own our fate in our own hands now with top four. And that's how we want to keep it. We don't want to be relying on other teams to get results for us. It is so exciting for you. And I, I ask you, well, I've asked you for the last basically seven games. On a scale of one to ten, how happy were you with the girls? Never uh, ten. No, <laughs> about a seven. Are you joking? That's gone down. <laughs> no, yeah, well, maybe about if we get ten wins, I might be at ten. Right. I know, I know, they, they they were good, they were good, but they just weren't good throughout. And mm. so when we were good, we were really good, but we we were pretty poor and pretty average at times. Do you think that's kind of the standard of the opposition now? Teams are getting more kind yeah. of settled in their combinations. And I, I think there is an element of that. You're never going to have. A great game for 60 minutes against one of the top teams. Um, I think, like I said, the, I think the pleasing thing is that even when we didn't feel like we were playing that well, we were still hanging in there. Mm. Yeah. Like previously, you could, you, you'd go like five to eight goals down and then all of a sudden you, you're struggling. Whereas like we always kept it tight, which was nice considering we were throwing a fair bit of ball away at times. I think Mags would call it a gritty game. Yeah, she? yeah. If she was there, she'd be calling it gritty. <laughs> uh, right, Sunday saw Wasps take the win against Pulse, which both Mags and Sarah predicted on last week's show. But I think what we need to talk about is the way they did it with a huge scoreline of 67-35. Do you think they've made a statement to the rest of the league with such an impressive score there? Yeah, definitely. I think they had to as well. Um, mm. They've obviously had some whether they're unlucky or unfavourable results recently. Um, other teams are stepping up around them, so it's not been easy for them this season and they had to really like stamp their authority on that game. Yeah. Um, I didn't see kind of Pulse coming back into it or really challenging that win at all. Um, so they were a bit formidable, really. Yeah, it was, it was a huge win. Um, I don't think anyone's beaten Pulse by that much this year and, and like... It, it was impressive performance from Wasps. It really was. And of course, they're still in the mix. They're sat on 27 points with Bath and Loughborough after mm-hmm. round 12. Uh, they're facing Bath in round 13, another big game there. And you think a must win as well for Wasps after the recent run of results, isn't it? Yeah, but this is what, what I'm saying about the top teams competing. You look at that and from our point of view, you know, one of those teams is going to lose. Mm-hmm. So then it's an opportunity to, to gain points on someone and... Um, unfortunately, they can't both lose. Apparently, so that's that's sad. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, but but it's it is a huge game, and I think both of those teams will will look at that as as a massive point in their season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we had two fixtures as well on Monday. Firstly, Sirens hosted Thunder, and as predicted, it was a pretty comfortable win for Thunder, thirty six sixty two. That was always going to be a tough one for Sirens, and that keeps Thunder top of the table, three points clear of the hunting pack, doesn't it? Uh, now, the second game was a really key one in terms of the battle for top as well and it saw Surrey Storm host Bath another great win for the neutral that one it yeah so I think they were 24 all at yeah. half time so mm. obviously Storm went out to kind of really try and win that game I think they saw it as winnable as well um, but Bath kind of had that experience to take the win in the second half um, yeah. I think Serena had a like brilliant game in the middle um, but yeah, I think it was just a bit of class and a bit of fight in the Bath side to get the win. Yeah, and I think Bath are on six in a row now as well wins. Um, so they're on a good a good run and it, it does become a habit. So I think when, when they go in level at half time, Bath are probably thinking, yeah, we, like we've still got something in our locker. Um, yeah, definitely. So yeah, good win for them. Well, I was going to ask you that because it was quite a good win for them. And is that a sign what they're doing, Bath, right now of a championship team in the making? Um, yeah, but, I mean, potentially. I think it's going to be, I think, 
the game against Wasps will tell us a lot about where both yeah. of those teams are at because there's a lot of pressure on both of them. Um, Wasps go into it off, off off the back of, for them, are not not a great run and Bath go into it off the back of six wins. Mm. So you'd say the momentum's in Bath's favour, but I think we'll see we'll see what both teams have got about them in, in that match. It's so exciting. It feels well excited at the minute, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, especially for you with your seven wins. Uh, right, we'll finish on another one goal game between Seven Stars and Dragons. Sorry, you can do absolutely no wrong at the moment in terms of predictions. Uh, it was Stars who managed to nick the victory, 53-52 rightly as you predicted yeah but I thought it'd be more comfortable for stars and by the sounds of it there's, they shouldn't have won because dragons were up going into the last quarter and kind of threw it away so I think stars kind of got one back for a couple of the the close losses they've been on the end of recently but um, yeah I think dragons will be disappointed with that one well we're seeing more of that with people going into the final quarter and then taking the win do you remember a few weeks ago I know you weren't here Kylie uh, but there's a guy called Richard do you remember who yeah Statman Statman that's it and what was his stat <laughs> That no team, no has... team had, had won from being down at three quarter time, and then I think since then, pretty much every yeah. every round there's been someone <laughs> do it. I feel like him wrong. <laughs> everyone's had a listen and gone, yeah, have that, Richard, haven't they? Basically, yeah. uh, so Richard, do get back in touch and let us know you've heard us tell you that you're wrong. Uh, right, stars went nine goals unanswered in the final quarter. A great response from them after being down by five, but Dragons are going to be pretty disappointed with that. I they would be very disappointed mm. with that. I think the kind of coaching team will be looking at what do they do if that happens again? They can't let a lead go of that kind of um, scale when they're playing at home. They had a really big win the pr- uh, previous week mm. at home. Um, crowds behind them, they have such a good following um, and you can't really... Five goals, six goals maybe, but nine goals is kind of... It's questionable what was happening on court for them. How do you react to that, Kylie, as a player? I've been on the end of it many a time, so <laughs> not sure if reacted in the right way. Um, yeah, it's difficult because you talk about netball and it's all momentum. Um, as soon as a team kind of, you lose one sense pass, that's three goals against you. So it can easily happen. Um, and confidence is a massive thing. So if the other team is feeling a load of confidence, um, it's quite hard to take that away from them. Yeah. You just need to go back to your basics. Like we do a lot of kind of set plays and the coaches will have worked on those for those moments. So when things are not going your way, you go back to the basics. You go back to what's our go-to centre pass, our go-to back line so we can safely deliver the ball to our shooters. And I don't know, I didn't see the game uh, for Dragons, but those basics should be able to be put in place when the pressure's on. Um, And that's why you do them. That's why you set them up. So... So yeah. basically looking at them, get mentally there and then go with the basics. Yeah, yeah. I think it's harder now with the with the new timeout rules because, you know, you, you don't have any timeouts. Previously, someone would call a timeout and, you know, you'd have a little regroup and you'd have a have a little chat and then you'd go out kind of being reminded, like, this is what we're going to do on the next centre pass or this is what we're going to do, you know, in this scenario. But because now whoever calls a timeout has to come off court, no one wants to call one. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so... I think it's it's now more pressure on players to be able to get themselves out of that situation without relying on help from yeah. the bench. And I think it kind of puts onus on your leaders on court. Like they have to take responsibility and it's not down to just your captain. You have like senior leaders throughout the court and they need to step up. You can still communicate. Like when the ball's going back to centre, you just hook in with your wing attack and your goal attack. What's going on? What are we doing? Um, but it is hard because in the moment things are going against you. And it's heated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, as a coach, when you're watching that happen, how do you react? 
scream. Yeah, just <laughs> generally put my head in my hands and hope, hope it goes away. And make um, disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just, yeah, scream. Or try and get a message, like Kylie was saying, if you've got, if you're at an end and, you, and you've got a, one of your leaders near you, try and get a message to them that gets to the team. Um, like they, they'll know that message anyway, but sometimes, like you said, in the heat of the moment, you know, they're thinking about anything but rational thoughts. Yeah. So actually just getting a message to them of, you know, next center pass is whatever your, your language around it is, but that that can then be distributed through the team. Um, but it's, it is a lot harder now that players are kind of have to be left to sort it out themselves. Yeah, and as a player, that's quite daunting, really, knowing yeah. that, isn't it? It's interesting as well because Australia have introduced the kind of coaches' timeout, haven't they, in the like yeah. the kind of pre-season tournament? And it'd be interesting to see if that comes in at any point. In yeah, the I think Super they. League. Yeah, like they ran that that rule last year in Australia, where they they could have a timeout in each half for each team. Um, but I think as long as internationally it's kept as no timeouts, it's probably the best thing for the league to not have it as well because yeah. I think otherwise you get players who call timeouts and, and then you get into a World Cup or something and you can't have them and then, you know, you're left to sort it out yourself yeah. and you, you're not used to it. What was their thinking behind introducing that, do you think? You get an ad break. You get a minute, you the, get 90 the, seconds can... for an ad break and, and they have to take the full 90 seconds so they can put an ad on. Seriously? Yeah. That's it? Yeah, I think probably, so. We're probably I not going to so, say yeah. everything, are we? Uh, right, we've had a really good question come in, ladies, on Instagram from Vicky Raymer. Vicky, thanks for your question. She asked whether the inconsistency of teams week to week, Dragons being a prime example of this, is related to the non-professional status of the sport because they've got a balance being an athlete with working, studying, uh, and whether a full-time offering for athletes would make teams more consistent. I want both your views on this. Um, I don't think you can blame the kind of level of professionalism uh, for consistency I think you are there in a squad to do a job whether that's part-time full-time or just training on the evenings and you're not getting paid at all you're out there to represent that dress and that colour and that team and consistency is part of the game and you've got to deliver so obviously the more money the more kind of training the more time as a group you get the more consistent you will become but I don't think you can blame week on week performance because that structure that the girls are working to that's consistent for them so yeah. what they're working to is consistent so more of it would potentially improve the performances but I you've got to remember that teams are constantly out to like do upsets and have one up on another team so it week in week out the game changes yeah. so yeah, yeah I can it's a difficult where- one where she's coming from though so yeah. in that if you do have more time and you're more heavily invested in it Surely that would improve. I I can see where you're coming from, and I I also think that more professionalism will allow a better standard generally. Yeah. I think the standard of of the individual athletes and teams would go up if it if it was professionalised because you have more time to do everything. You have more time to do skills. You have more time to recover. You have more time for fitness. Everything. But on the flip side of that, being a professional athlete doesn't solve all your problems. Yeah. And consistency is something that every team strives for and hardly anyone achieves because it's so difficult to to be on an even keel all the time and to con- like consistently perform well against different styles and different yeah. opponents and you know being a professional athlete also brings its own distractions you know if you if you start getting 
media or you start getting sponsorship deals or other things like that into into the no, mix true. then yeah you're not going to work nine to five but you've got other things pulling you in different different directions so it's not like oh i'm going to go and sit at home with my with my feet up and, and rest up for this next session it's um it's a bit more complicated than that, I think. Do you know what? You're right. I wouldn't have thought of that side of it, but that is absolutely right. Um, and a great question as well. Vicky. Yeah. Thank you. An interesting point. Yeah. Remember, you can tweet, message, whatever, all of your questions to at my netball nation, and we will try our very best to answer them on the following week's podcast. Uh, now, that result there leaves Dragons in eighth spot, as we were talking about before, with 12 points and leads us into the next part of the show where we're going to talk about Welsh netball and their need to rebuild after missing out on World Cup 2019 qualification. So, Kylie, it's lovely to have you with us as a former Welsh international. Uh, so, can you just please explain how the Welsh system works currently and how Dragons link into this? Yeah, so they've taken a bit of a different approach this year um, by having, I think you've discussed on previous podcasts, they've got a separate head coach for the national team as who's operating the franchise. Previously, that's been operated all in one. And I think um, part of the reason for separating it was because they didn't make World Cup. Um, so if you can imagine, like when I was involved in the system, Melissa Hyman was head coach. She operated both teams. You develop a lot of consistencies. Your plays are the same. Your kind of subset of players are the same. You add in extras to the franchise to kind of enhance that performance for Super League. But you're constantly developing Welsh netball. And it's all one package. It's all one package, yeah. Um this year, if you look, if you went on the Welsh, Net, Welsh Netball website, their squad, a lot of those players are not getting exposure to Super League Netball. Um, so you're kind of in a position, I think they've taken some English girls into their Dragons team. They've got, um, they've maximised out their international um, girls. So, and also they're using their experience, whereas the Welsh squad, what they should, and I think what they are doing is they're looking at their youth coming through. So looking at who's currently in their under-21 programme, how are we getting them exposure um, in different ways and so not just Super League through Netball Europe's and tours and how do we get them national team experience um, ready for 2022 Com Games because World Cup's out of the equation for them. Um, so they've got to strive for something new and you can't operate on a kind of average age of 28, 30 yeah. for a squad going into that kind of length of a kind of development programme. That sounds like the right way to be doing it, though. That makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the problem for Welsh netball is they've had a very like topsy turvy couple of years. Mm. So they were running really high. They had some really good results. Um, they got up to I think the highest they were ranked was seventh. Um, I think at the moment they're at ninth um, behind Ireland and Scotland, which yeah. is unusual. Um, and it's just unfortunate. It's the rules, but you going to have teams who are ranked kind of 15th at the World Cup and Wales are ninth and they're not there. Well I want to talk about this because like you say we're not going to see Wales in the World Cup. Uh, it was Scotland and Northern Ireland who took the two remaining European places to qualify but can you explain how that works? Like are England guaranteed one of the places automatically? Yeah. How, how does that work though? Like, so I think it's host nation guarantees their spot and then it's top six but if that host nation sits within yeah. the top six then obviously they form part of that so England are hosting and they're also in the top six. So you kind of get why. six teams. Yeah. yeah, so when you've had, like, previously Scotland have hosted Commonwealth Games, they've guaranteed that spot. So Ireland and Wales automatically go. Right. Um, so it's kind of a nice position to be in. That but, makes sense. Yeah. Well, going back to the qualifying rounds in January 2018, Wales were ranked, as you say, above both Scotland and Northern Ireland. What do you reckon happened in those games that caused them to miss out on qualification? 
Mm. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> She's crying. Stop yeah. it. Um, <laughs> Shall that bring Mags back? Don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I think um, they weren't happy with their performance. I've got a lot of kind of friends and previous teammates who are still playing, and they weren't happy with that result and the performance. The games were close. Um, not against Scotland. I think Scotland beat them by ten. The Ireland game was very close. Um, historically, we've not been losing to both of those teams. If any um there was a bit of disruption so i know that chelsea lewis who's one of the key shooters for wales she had about a year before dropped out of the system she was playing at bath she wasn't involved in welsh netball because she wasn't happy with the way it was set up or whatever reason um she then came back into the team for those qualifiers um so it's just disruption of like players who's available who wants to play Um, and that's not you should be like, I don't know people's circumstances, but if you're kind of playing Super League and you're Welsh, you would think that you'd be putting yourself up for selection. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's an interesting one because obviously Scotland are in a similar position of having a Super League franchise in, in terms of sirens and a, and a national team. It, I think their position is slightly different at the minute because their national team is stronger than it's been in a, yeah. in a long time, that Gail Parata is doing both of those jobs and... And this year, especially after losing Cat, it's very much just like a development for World Cup now. Like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna play these players and we're gonna build for World Cup. Um, there's an argument around how long teams can do that and be competitive. And I think what I've enjoyed from Dragons this year is they've almost embraced the fact that yes, we're a Welsh team and we want Welsh players in there, but we also need to be competitive in this yeah. league. And I think some of the players they've they've brought in have been really good signings and they are more competitive and they're, they're a team that people genuinely worry about. So it and it, like it's obviously been a really difficult couple of years for them, but I think it's going to be interesting to see moving forward how both Sirens and Dragons manage those two roles and yeah. and whether it's it's separate or, you know, what's the priority? What do you want to win? What What's the aim of your franchise if you own your franchise? Is it purely that you want to develop your international team or is it that you want to be a competitive Super League team or... Can you do both? So yeah. it's a difficult balancing act for them, I think. Well, like you were saying as well, you're implementing things now that are going to strengthen and re- help rebuild, aren't you, for the future? Yeah, so, yeah, like Sarah said, Dragons are very much out there to win this year yeah. in Super League. They're not going to make top four now, or I don't I don't think they technically can. Um, yeah. They'll still be trying, I'm sure. But um, I think for them, they have reassessed how their programme looks. They've split the two. They want to be competitive. And then they're operating a development Welsh netball squad to really encourage kind of their youngsters to push up yeah. in that environment. Makes sense. Uh, and a big focus for Wales now has to be the European Championships in 2020. How can they get the most out of that competition in order to ensure they qualify for the next Commonwealth Games and World Cup? They, every time, like I think Sarah's alluded to on previous podcasts, England turn up to those kind of netball Europe's. They know they're going to win. Um, yeah. So they can technically take a second team and still probably beat all nations. Yeah. Wales will be wanting to go um, compete and at least finish second to prove a point that they should have been in the World Cup. Um, they've got to qualify, otherwise they start to lose kind of integrity within Europe. Um, so they'll be looking to really like make kind of a point, I suppose, um, against Scotland and Ireland. Well, it is, it's good that we do get to see Scotland and Northern Ireland competing in the World Cup. I'm going to throw this to both of you. I want you both to answer this. Uh, how do their international setup support both teams and do they differ to the England and Welsh netball setup at all? Um, I, I think Scotland kind of, as I, as I said, 
is very much linked to sirens. Yeah. And so most of their Scottish players are, are within that franchise. Um, they've got um, Fiona Thiemann, who is based in Australia. Um, Hayley Mulheron has gone back to, to sirens now after after playing at English sides for a few years. So I think their support is very much, you know, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Scottish based. Um, and from what I saw being up there last year, their support's really good. Um, the Northern Ireland setup, I don't know at all, really. And they've obviously got Dan Ryan in now. And I know they've had some weekend training camps. Um, but I think Northern Ireland are the interesting ones because mm. they're quite an old team now. And so I think post-World Cup, they'll have a lot of retirements. And then you look forward to co- um, qualification for the next Commonwealth Games. And they could be the ones that struggle because you get a load of retirements and if you've not got the youth coming through and I'm not saying they don't but I, I've got no idea yeah. um, then they'll probably be the ones that are in Wales' situation now and Wales get the next ge- the next generation coming through and it kind of goes in cycles so we could see a switch yeah. almost yeah. where Wales and, are going to um, be strengthened yeah we see that kind of every four year cycle you see that happen um, the, what I would say on Sarah's point like Ireland Northern Ireland are experienced Um they turn up, they're a bit of an unknown when they get to tournaments because people don't see them play week in, week out. They've obviously got Toner playing down at Pulse. Um, so you see some individuals. Yeah, um, O'Hanlon at Thunder. Yeah, you don't see you them see the team. as a collective. Yeah. So you can watch Dragons and kind of see Beth and Dyke working with Susie Drain. You know what that offers. And same with Sirens, you know what certain combinations offer. Ireland are a completely unknown Mystery. to all of those teams. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting that's a really interesting thing to take away though that that point that you've made about the fact that it is going to be like a switch that right that people retire other teams come through and how then the team really differs yeah and and because netball works on four-year cycles the commonwealth games every four year the, yeah. the world cups every four years people tend to reti- retire after a world cup so I, I imagine england are going to lose a huge chunk of players after world cup ireland will lose a huge chunk of players after world cup and for t- for a nation like england it, it it's it's not as drastic because you've got a lot of numbers coming through. Um, for smaller nations, if you've got a really good cohort of players and then half of them retire, actually, where do you fill? Yeah. Like, where do you replace nearly six hundred caps from? So um, it'll be an interesting one, I think. Post Liverpool, what happens with with the home nations? Well, speaking of Liverpool, of course, World Cup July. Uh, Scotland have been drawn in the same group as England, and they're joined in Group D by Uganda and Samoa. Northern Ireland are going to be facing World Number Ones Australia, and also Zimbabwe and Sri Lanka in Group A. Loads of questions for you both about this. Are you ready? Yep. Right, get your World Cup caps on, okay? <laughs> get, my, uh, get my wall chart out. <laughs> <laughs> How do you both rate both their chances of getting out of the group stages? I think uh, Ireland will get out of that group because they'll finish second. Mm-hmm. Scotland have about zero chance. <laughs> Sorry, Scotland. <laughs> you say that, they lost to Malawi didn't they by one yeah. in the bottom of games so they'll be looking at Uganda thinking they're, they're, that's doable they'll look at Uganda as their final yeah. and if they can win that they'll get out of that group yeah. but I just I can't see them beating Uganda no. okay. at all and and that's not disrespectful to Scotland I think they well it is Sarah I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they'll have hope they'll, they? they'll, they'll, they'll have hope and, they, and yeah. they have got a really strong team 
you've um, got to go in there and believe they have yeah. Yeah. they so and they've been there now so they've been against like the top five and they've been close yeah and that's massive for their kind of going in being confident having the belief but like sarah said you're up against peace poscovia and some yeah. very very talented yeah. ugandan players so uh, well group c is going to be interesting you'd expect jamaica to qualify but it's not going to be plain sailing for them because they've got south africa fiji and Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank God I got that right. To get past. Yeah. So I think South Africa and Jamaica will definitely get through that group together. Um, that game itself will be really interesting because that'll mm. kind of set the tone for how semi-finals will shape. Yeah. What do you reckon, Sarah? Yeah, I think those two will get out of that group. That that is a strong group. You know, Trinidad and Tobago have got um, Sammy Wallace, who plays for Swifts as shooter, and she'll cause teams problems whoever she plays against. Um, but yeah, that Jamaica South Africa game will be huge because seedings going into quarters and semis will depend on that. And yeah, it'll be, Ooh, be exciting. Good, good one. Well, looking at England's group, it's not completely straightforward as Uganda gave them a bit of a scare in the Test series back in October, and Scotland and Samoa aren't going to be easy games either. What do you both make of that? Yeah, I think England are well prepped now, so yeah. they will definitely qualify out that group first, if not second, um, Uganda being the only team that can really turn them over. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and I, I think I actually quite like these groups because I think that you need a decent game in the group stages because if you get to playoffs um, and you've not been tested, that's when you start to struggle. So I think Uganda's a good team for England to have in their group because they'll give them a decent test. Um, I think England will win it, but um, they'll they'll have to have played well and they'll have to have been put under a little bit of pressure before they get into those big big one-off matches. Yeah, definitely. It's also that style, isn't it, that you talk about Uganda plays such a different style to what England play and what they're used to against kind of the quad series um, teams. So getting that first yeah. up rather than meeting Jamaica wherever they meet them um, or if they meet them and having that kind of like shock or what they yeah. do in this situation. Um, obviously, they know their experience, but having that in the groups and you kind of adapt your style to kind of get the win. I, th I think what, what gives me most confidence with England is that we've got Jeeva Mental, to be honest. <laughs> Just because you look at the top nations and most of them have got really tall target shooters and Jeeva plays so well on tall shooters, like Peace, um, Mary obviously who's at, at, at Lightning, um, Janelle Fowler who and Ramelda Aitken who are Jamaican. She plays well on those people, so it holds less fear than it would do if I wasn't as confident with our defensive end. Nice, exciting. Uh, well, New Zealand struggled in the Commonwealth Games. Do you reckon they're going to come back all guns blazing? I World hope Cup? so. <laughs> I think everyone, everyone, everyone loves so. New Zealand. Yeah. yeah, I think they, they'll want to, whether they've got the depth in their squad at the moment, I think that's the biggest thing. They've got Langman back. She's playing really well uh, for Lightning at the moment, but... I think it's too soon. If they had another year, they would be up there yeah. top three again. But I can't see them getting through the semi-finals. If I'm honest, at the moment. What do you think, Sarah? Uh, I'd probably agree with that. I think I think they're going to run out of time a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see them come out and just play incredibly well. And and they are playing better and better every game. I see them New Zealand, but I just think it's too tight on time for them to completely turn it around from com games. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be nice for like Casey and Laura and Maria to go out like on a high? Yeah. But also they've had lots of highs, so, you know. Yeah, but you still really... Share it out. <laughs> <laughs> Share the wealth. Right, I'm going to get my mental note cap on now and I'm going to ask you for your predictions. Who do you think is going to make the final and go on to win the 2019 World Cup? Kylie. 
I'm going to be really controversial. Ooh, go um, on. I'm bearing in mind I am Welsh. I want England to do well. I actually no, don't lie. <laughs> do not lie, Kylie. <laughs> um, I actually think Jamaica are going to turn a big team over. Oh, wow. Um, their two ends are incredible at the moment, and they're on a massive high. Um, so I'm going to go Jamaica Australia final. Ooh, well, what about you, Sarah? <sighs> oh, well, that's Kylie never invited back. <laughs> um, Get rid of that footstool she's yeah, got. Yeah, <laughs> kick her in the knee. <laughs> um, I, I actually agree in terms of Jamaica. I think Jamaica are going to do something special um, at World Cup. But obviously, England are going to be in the final. So I think it might be an England-Jamaica final. Amazing. Well, just so you know, Kylie, if you do get that wrong, we will yeah. drag you back here and make you put your hand in your pocket. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So does this mean I've spoken on behalf of Max? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it does <laughs> you both pay if, if you're wrong. <laughs> Although, go on. I, I was just going to say, I think it also just proves... Um, a slight bias against Australia that neither of us yeah. predicted the number number one team in the world to make the I World Cup final. Um, they've never not made the final. No. so they've no. been in the final yeah. since it's they've, been running. They've never so. not, not made a World Cup final. So why would you why, put? Yeah. Why would you predict for them why to make it? I mean, it's in England. So <laughs> right. Well, Kylie, we've had your first prediction, and uh, every Netball Nation podcast we have a series of uh, predictions for the Vitality Super League. Mags isn't here obviously this week, but she has sent her predictions over. So, if you all get them wrong, I'm well in the money, basically. Next yeah, right. uh, so, Sarah's been doing really well, actually, recently. You're on a roll. You're winning all, all your games. Is that <laughs> a line to Loughborough's success yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, so, uh, round 13 sees a Super Saturday with four games taking place. We've got Pulse v Mavs and Thunder v Dragons. Over to you, Sarah. Mavericks will beat Pulse. Mm-hmm. And... Thunder will beat Dragons. Exactly what Mags has said. You're yeah. in agreement with Mags. What are you saying? Yeah, Karen? exactly the same. I think the top five now, they're too strong. Okay, so we're all in agreement with that one. Right, so potentially a bit tougher to call. We've also got Stars at home to Sirens and Wasps taking on Bath. And we've mentioned that's a big game in terms of the battle for the top four. What are your thoughts? Stars, Sirens, I think will be a good game. Um, I think Stars having got over the line against Dragons when they probably shouldn't have done will be full of confidence, so I think they'll probably win that. You think stars? Yeah. Wasp bath. Who's at home? Wasp must be at home. Yeah. I'm going to go wasps. you go going wasps. <laughs> so you're going stars and wasps for that one? I'm going stars and wasps. Mags agrees with you. Oh. What are you saying on that one, Kylie? So who were stars playing against? Uh, stars are sirens. at home to sirens and wasps are taking on bath. Stars will win that game against sirens. Sirens switched their shooters like three times, I think, mm. in the last game. So go stars and I'll go bath. Oh, mixing wasps. it up a bit. That's yeah. what I like to see. Oh, nice. Right, finally, the Sky fixture on Monday, which you'll also be able to watch on YouTube as well. Yes. Uh, it sees Loughborough going for eight wins on the trot against Surrey Storm. Uh, now, Sarah, that's going to be a big test, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Storm have got some really good players. And, and again, when we talk about inconsistencies, they've been a little bit unfortunate with injuries. Um, Nicole Humphreys had an ACL operation last week, I think, so... Get well soon. Good luck with rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, Mickey Austin hasn't been playing that much recently, but they've got some quality players and, and they produce big performances. You know, the, their first half pumps against Bath was really impressive. So we're going to have to play well. We'll be back in next week, saying it's your eighth three on the trial. We better had be. Yeah, we better had be. Um, <laughs> Kylie, this is because Mags has backed Loughborough. 
You'll be pleased to know. Yeah. Uh, Kylie, as you're the neutral in this, what are your predictions? Just yeah. remember you sat next to Sarah with a bad knee. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, love for, for that one, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I vote that too, Thank Sarah. you. Thank uh, you. Right, before we wrap up, I've got a couple of shout-outs this week. Firstly, Amy Yee got in touch with us on Instagram about the inter-counties and the national club competitions we spoke about a couple of episodes yes, ago. Yes, old school. Um, yes, <laughs> Amy says these competitions were the dream of a young netballer. They she were. has a memory of England rugby winning the World Cup when she was playing and Hucklecoat went on to win she also I tell- played in that national club so Did I was you? there I was there, there go, at Amy. Manchester Velodrome there you go she was there <laughs> we, all, we all huddled around someone's I don't know probably portable TV back then <laughs> watching Johnny Wilkinson the la- living the life uh, she also tells us that Jeeva Mentor and Pam Cookie were both in that winning side yeah um, fingers and finally, Amy Ooh. mentions the, <laughs> the Intercounties t-shirt and suggested we ask listeners to tweet in pictures of theirs and there's bound to be some famous names on them. Yeah, so the, the t-shirts from Intercounties were the same as the ones from national schools where every every county that had individual names of their players so this is everyone's amazing. name was on the t-shirt right so if you have genuinely if you have we want us to tweet you to tweet us a picture of your t-shirt and let us know what famous plays you came up against yeah that's a that's a really good idea I've got claim to fame yeah I've got my two oh, I'm trying to think what year it was 2002 national schools one Oh my god! I wear his pajamas. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Take a picture. Okay. Send them in okay. as your pajamas, yeah. and we'll get it on our Twitter feed. Yeah, that's amazing. Also, a question for Sarah from Shes Davies, who said she'd ask for a photo with you and Joe Harton after you'd lost the semi-final at the World Cup in Sydney. She said, <laughs> "Yeah, thanks see- for bringing that up." She said, "Yes, Sarah." She said, "You seem surprised that she knew who you were, and asks if you're often not recognised, or whether the attention annoys you, or whether you're just miserable." I added the last bit. On. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One, I was miserable. We just lost the semi-final um oh yeah i hate the attention just getting mobbed all the time not no paps no paps no i'm like generic white girl you know like like blondie mousy brown hair play mid-court so you know don't do any of the fun stuff just run up and down so i'm not your joe Harton that wins your games by scoring the winning shot i'm not serena with a crazy afro i'm not jiva mentor picking ball out the air and looking all graceful and elegant so everyone's just like oh you're like can your sister take it? Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's like, there was always like me, me, me and Jay Clark, like convinced we could get, get away with like armed robbery because like we're so generic looking that no one ever recognized us. See, right. That needs to go on every single bio you have <laughs> and on your CV. Generic white girl is my favorite quote of 2019. So yeah, I was surprised you recognized me. I mean, if you, if, if we tweet the photo, I was giving it away a bit by being like fully stashed up in England kit. <laughs> Like, ask me for a photo. Yeah. And by process of elimination, she, yeah. like, ah, right. she was like, oh, Joe, can your, your teammate, is she, does she play? Can she get in the photo? <laughs> Anybody know who she is? Has no. she just bought all the kit? <laughs> but you didn't mind having a photo, did you? No, I, I didn't. I didn't at all. It, it saved us from walking around Sydney being miserable. Well, that has given me a very good laugh. So thank you. <laughs> Do you know what? Thank you, Shez, for sending your, your question. That was very funny. Have either of you two, because Kylie, it's your, your first time on the show, yep. on the podcast. Have either of you two got any shout outs you'd like to give to anyone? A Netball Nation family or not? We don't mind. I, I do. I, it actually reminded me, shouting out to um, Nicole from uh, Storm, sorry, who's just had a knee reconstruction. Lots of injuries at the minute. And I actually saw Jodie Gibson the other day, um, England player, seven stars player, started running again. So massive congratulations yes. to Jodie and 
all the people out there rehabbing probably tune into Jodie's Instagram because she's like a bit of an animal in the gym and she'll give you lots of inspiration. So yeah, big up to all the people who are injured at the minute and coming back. Sending you lots of netball nation love. Yeah. Uh, Kylie, is there anyone that you like to say hello to? Um, No, not particularly. No um, one at all. I know. Your mum's well, going to be fuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Livid. Yeah, all the Welshies. Um, no, I think a lot of kind of domestic netball is coming to an end so obviously you've got Super League running a bit later but a lot of kind of clubs you're reaching like national competitions now um, so shout out to everyone who's like done really well if you've not performed the way you wanted to then keep going for next year shout yeah. out to you all yeah get, yeah get planning those end of season parties yes and invitals yeah. Um, yeah and if any of you guys have got any shout outs you'd like to add feel free to tweet them or send them to any of our social platforms at my netball nation uh, to listen to our podcast Head over to mynetballnation.com. I think that's pretty much all from us. So, Kylie, thank you so much for joining us. Have great job, Kylie. Thank you for having me. Yes, I've had a great time. Yeah, very you good. hitting your head on the panel. <laughs> I know, yeah, I, I, I disguised that well, didn't I? You did. I was smiling, but I wanted to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, as always, thank you thank so you. much. Uh, I've been Emma Louise Jones, and we're going to see you next week. Bye. 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 This is Netball Nation.